This episode of Earl Grey is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 180,000 titles for smartphone, tablet, and desktop. To get a free audiobook of your choice and help Trek FM at the same time, visit audibletrial.com slash trekfm. And also by Enterprise in Space, an international program of the nonprofit National Space Society. Find out how you can help science and education and become a virtual crew member aboard the NSS Enterprise Orbiter by visiting enterpriseinspace.org. Hi, this is Marina Sirtis, Deanna Troy from Star Trek The Next Generation. You're listening to Trek FM. Theo Greyheart. Welcome, listeners, to another cup of Earl Grey, Trek FM's dedicated podcast to the next generation. I am your host, Amy Nelson, and joined with me today is the jubilant Joe Keegan and the jubile Joe Justin Ozer. <laughs> Hi, guys. Hi, Amy. I've never been described Hi. as jubilant before, so that's that's nice. Thank you. You you bring a lot of you know lightheartedness and jubilation comedy to our shows. So yeah, jubilation. Thanks. Great joy and gratitude. Great joy and jubilation. Justin, how are you? <laughs> I'm doing well. So how did you describe me? Did you say I was also jubilant, or did I hear jovial or something else? I didn't quite catch that. Oh, did I mess that up? Because I wanted jovial with Joe and jubilant with Justin. I think you reversed it, but that's okay. Thank you. It's nice to be described, however. Okay. Well, I wanted to use the J's because every time you guys introduce me, you have an A adjective to go with me. And so oh. I had to come up with two. Okay. I, You know, you're amazing. And I didn't even think that it, that starts with an A also. Oh. Just <laughs> nice coincidence. Yeah. But yeah, do it doing well. Great to be here. Our second episode in a row, not being in person together, but Aww. you know, it'll happen again next year. You know what I realized, like just as we started recording this, I think this is my one hundredth episode of Earl Grey. What? Can you believe that? Two eighty eight, yes. Because the first one where I was a host was one eighty nine, which was a hundred. Yes. I know if you subtract it, it's not a hundred. But if you count them like you should. It's 100. So 100 episodes. Wow, I can't believe that. Yay. Well, congratulations. Thank you. Well, I should be counting, and I don't. Uh, unfortunately, for our 100th, it was Richard, and it was Justin who reminded <laughs> reminded me it was our 100th, you know, when I was uh, podcasting with Richard when we started. And you're probably at something like 135 or something like that. Okay, I'm glad someone's counting. I'm so <laughs> terrible with anniversaries and remembering things. I, it just is not on my radar for some reason. So it's okay. The have time to do that for us. By. I think it might be a big anniversary for me though. At the moment, um, I think it's maybe around about my tenth podcast. It's just like a, <laughs> a major, a major milestone <laughs> in my podcasting career. Yeah, your tenth podcast anniversary. <laughs> yeah. Yes, exactly. That's what I was going to call it as well. Yeah. <laughs> what else could you possibly call it? Um, but congratulations, Joe. Great, 
One step closer to being Amy Nelson. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we all aspire to, right? Yeah. Yeah, of course. Oh. All right. Well, guys, listen. Uh, we have an iTunes giveaway. Just wanted to remind you listeners, it's still going on. You have till August 31st to get in your iTunes star rating and written review. Write us and let us know how we're doing, and then your name will be entered for a drawing of these wonderful Next Generation trading cards. They are just a wonderful gift donated by our excellent associate producer, Chris Tribuzio, and we will be having that drawing right after August 31st, so get your reviews in. Yeah, and listeners, a final plea. So if you've been sitting there listening to Earl Grey, hearing us give these reminders about the iTunes uh, star rating and written review and the possibility of getting these fantastic cards, and you haven't done it because you're not sure if you have the time, you listen to this podcast every week for an hour. Just pause it for a minute. Go over to iTunes if you can, if you haven't already given us a review. Go ahead and do that. Come back a few minutes later. We'll still be here. And you'll be entered into that contest. So, I mean, what could be better than that, right? Yeah, we'll wait for you. <laughs> we'll be here. Yeah. <sighs> well, we are all caught up on the Babel Conference. We had a nice long <laughs> last week on yeah. catching up on the feedback. So thank you for always commenting, listeners. We really do enjoy what you have to say about our episodes and the topics. So thank you. Well, this week we are going to talk about our top three villains of Next Generation. This idea came to us uh, from Justin. And Justin, yeah. tell us how this came about, because I think this started before I knew. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a little behind-the-scenes thing for listeners. So uh, we intended on doing a different topic today that because of some things beyond our control we weren't able to do. Uh, and this happened to be a topic that I had thought of some months ago when Richard and I were going to do an episode when you were away, Amy, and that fell through or something happened with schedules. But I've kind of kept it as an idea. And when this other thing fell through literally a couple hours ago, I said, well, why don't we just do our favorite villains? And uh, you guys seem to like the idea. And we've I came up with my choices months ago, so it wasn't much work for me, but you guys had to scramble to come up with some choices. But I think, Amy, you were saying you had some fun putting this together, right? I did. Um, <laughs> Joe, how did you uh, enjoy thinking about the villains of Next Gen? Yeah, I'm a bit like you, Amy. I, it was super fun, like scrambling around. And there's no end of choice when it comes mm -hmm. to Star Trek TNG villains. Um, there's a really good video on YouTube and it's Captain Picard's like most inspirational speeches as basically just a, a montage of times he's come out and been this amazing actor that he is and given us some great lines but most of them kind of circle around the, the protagonist of the week hmm. or who was the greatest villain so there was lots of inspiration for me there wow. and I have the best three villains in all of TNG oh I was wondering why you posted that video because I'm like, these are inspirational speeches. I was getting all warm and fuzzy. It's, I was like, what does that have to do with villains? <laughs> no, it's time. It's times when Captain Picard has had to be really inspirational to overcome the 
the villainous nature of the this week's protagonist. Yeah, and I mean, all it required was you watching a YouTube video for your entire research. So that's not too bad. <laughs> exactly. Well, I had, I think I picked my top three mm-hmm. before okay. I watched the video. Um, but the YouTube video was just good for watching Captain Picard give mm-hmm. inspirational speeches. Yeah. I, felt, I felt empowered. Yeah. Yes. I'm going to make this statement before we go to how we define a villain and what our choices are. I think my third choice is one that you guys definitely don't have on your list. So we'll see if that comes true, but I think it will. We shall see, because I have one that I think for sure is not on your list. At least one. Okay. You guys don't have any of mine. You're going all three. Really? For sure. Okay. All right. Well, we'll, Super unique. Justin. I bet we all have the same three. I, no, I, I am 100% positive you guys do not have the third one on my list because I thought of something, I thought of it in a different way for number three. Let's just say that. Okay, well, let's not keep the <laughs> listeners in suspense and let's get to our list. Now, when I, you know, when you gave us this topic, I was like, man, there's so many different types of villains that are portrayed on Next Gen. And so for me, when I was thinking about it and the first ones that popped in my mind, it was very interesting because most of them was a type where they were put in a situation that was out of their control. Mm -hmm. So it sort of was like they were placed there, they were created not to give away too much, but <laughs> I know, I know what that means. I know one of them on your list, but go ahead. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Knowing me. <laughs> um, so that they were put in this, you know, impossible situation. And so it's them working out. I feel for me that a villain needs to be complex. Like we mm. need to have their backstory in part because we need to understand how important and it makes them a better worthy opponent for our hero, whoever that may be. I enjoy relating to the villain. And I know that sounds a little weird, but you know, I think a villain is there to uh, show us and, and point out some of our human flaws. Hmm. And so if I can relate to a villain, to me, that makes it better Uh, more powerful, and like I said, like their fall has meaning when the hero overcomes. So Mm. I'm interested, Joe, how do you define a villain? I was thinking about this. Um, I did Google what the definition for villain, and just to give me an an idea, I know what it means, obviously, but just to give me an idea about how I might define it, I think maybe a couple of things are important for define a villain you obviously can think of like a bond villain this stereotype of somebody that's just evil and wants to do harm to your your heroes um or like dick dastard dick dastardly and um, that cartoon character in the wacky races um but i think somebody that's villainous is maybe somebody that makes the viewer uncomfortable or maybe tries to change um bring about change and the things that you feel are most familiar and the things that you feel are really comfortable. Because I think we all feel comfortable with um, normality and things being kind of uniform throughout life. And we can cope with little bits of change. But in 
TNG. There are a couple of times, um, and one of my villains um, comes in and tries to make too many changes, which makes me feel uncomfortable. And this guy really irritates me. So that's why I don't like him. A lot of teasing going on of this here. Lots of it. Lots. <laughs> so if it's okay for me to go on to how I define a villain, I won't keep listeners in suspense too much before we get to our choices. But basically, you alluded to it, Joe, but I mean, the dictionary definition is like a character whose evil actions or motives are important to the plot. But when I think of like favorite or most interesting villains, it is someone that, that has some complexity. Like you can see where they're coming from or you can feel something for them. It's not just like, you know, they're pure evil and they should die. You know, there's some something that's brought them to this point where they're opposing our heroes. So that's kind of how how I thought of it. And I think my three choices are like that because there are th- elements there that you feel like are relatable or you can understand kind of where they're coming from in a way, yeah. All right, <laughs> those are all great definitions. So let's get to our first round. Uh, Joe, we're going to start with you since you were teasing the most. <laughs> I don't know who to start with. Uh, you have to choose. Whoever is listed uh, first in, in your list, just choose. Okay. Okay, I'm going to start with the character, the villain that I was teasing when I was defining villains. Mm-hmm. So I think you maybe could have guessed who it is. From the episode Chain of Command, we have Captain Edward Jellicoe, <laughs> who is... Wait, that's not what I thought you were going to say. Really? I oh, was totally th- thinking Jellicoe. What are you, Justin? Oh, you thought the Cardassian guy, didn't you? Well, the um, guy that was tortured in Picard. Yeah, but let, let's not go into that too much, because that may be yeah. my first choice. But go ahead with Jellicoe. Oh, okay. So, oh, wow. I find Jellicoe super irritating. Um... There are a couple of issues I have with him. Villain. Wait, wait. I'm trying to get wrap my head around this. He's he's a villain. He's someone. Okay, go ahead. I'm just yeah. We you should know, Joe. We had a whole episode where me, Richard, and Ken Tripp from Standard Orbit were talking about that Jellico is a good character and is understandable and basically isn't a villain. But go ahead with your case. <laughs> okay, that's fine. You th- the three of you were wrong then, um, but that's fine. We can. We're allowed to make mistakes in life. Um, as wow. long as you learn I'm from sorry, I'm mistakes. interrupting too much. You go ahead, I will. Yeah, you are, you are. This is going to be hell to edit, but it's not <laughs> me that's editing, so it's fine. Um, yes, he he is. Do you know what? We nearly lost Picard in that episode, and we nearly got lumped with Captain Edward Jellicoe, um, or as I like to call him, Jerky McJerkface. Um, there's the issue with Diana not wearing kind of standard Starfleet uniform. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm th- I thought, every time you watch that episode, I was like, how dare you? Who are, who do you think you are coming into our home and kind of disrupting it so much? Um, he is the captain. He's allowed and he's following Starfleet regulations, but it still irritates me because they've been together. What um, Chain of Command is what? Season six, seven? Six. 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 So we've been together with this crew for six years now and we've got this family relationship going on so yeah he's not allowed to come in and just tell people what to wear um he's very dismissive these the, these guys are the, the the crew of the flagship of the federation and he's just really dismissive especially to Riker, who basically does all the, the 
crew rotas and kind of organises the crew on behalf of the captain. Um, he's really rude to Captain Picard before Captain Picard goes on his mission with um, Crusher and Worf. And he's like, he says something like, oh, you've been, you're too easy on this crew. Something mm-hmm. like you've been too easy on the crew or I really thought the crew would be better than they are. Mm-hmm. Those aren't the words, but that's the gist of what he was saying. And I was like, yeah, you're just a horrible jerky McJerk face and I don't like you. And you, by definition, are a villain, regardless of what Ken Tripp and Richard <laughs> and Justin say. Wow. Wow. Um, end of rant. Hashtag end of rant. Okay. No, but it fits exactly what you're saying. Like when someone comes in and changes too much, that really pushes you out of your comfort zone mm-hmm. and so can be perceived as a villain because yeah. you are nice and happy and warm in yes. your zone. Uh, J- Joe, let me ask you this question. Oh, this is an adversarial question <laughs> with your tone. Yes, can we can tell. <laughs> well, I very much disagree. Like we can agree to disagree. But is it we not can. true that Jellico was able to accomplish the mission and Picard got back alive? True. So, like, is is Jellico a villain just because he's changing stuff a lot? I would argue that he had to change those things in order for them to be ready for a war footing with the Cardassians. And it was exactly his plan, I think, throughout to get Picard back. But he couldn't reveal mm. what that is. And he was able to do that with the mining of the, the, the ship at, at the end. So, anyway, wow, I really didn't expect that and I disagree a lot. But, <laughs> but it's, I think it's just his, it's his attitude, maybe not his actions. His actions might have been fine, which kind of rubs me up the wrong way. Um, even the way he <laughs> treats the Cardassians and keeps them waiting for so long in the observation lounge, it's, it might be a, a diplomatic tactic, but. It's really, it's rude. I chalk it up to him knowing the Cardassians and what they would will actually pay attention to, but we'll 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 very much disagree on this. Okay. <laughs> See, if I was on the ship, I would have arranged an accidental kind of airlock malfunction by now. Wow. Here we go. Joe wanting to kill characters again. Again. <laughs> I know. Just just him. <laughs> For now. Okay. All right. So that is your first pick. Very good, Justin. Um, it sounds like we might have a duplicate, so let's go with your first choice. It's not a duplicate. It's from the same set of episodes, but it's not the same character. Okay. But we might we might as well get into that since we're talking about Chain of Command. Yeah. My choice is Golmadred. I have that okay? one. And sorry, Amy. Oh. But <laughs> but it it was actually one of the first things that that came up for for a couple of reasons. I mean, first of all, he he is very much a villain because he's in this situation. They've captured Picard, and he's he's torturing him, and he's making Picard's life a misery. But at the same time, going back to what I said, there is an interesting part in the episode where Madrid is talking about how the military and their rule has been necessary because before people were starving and things were terrible within the on Cardassia Prime within the Cardassian Empire so he has this motivation it's not justified what he's doing by our standards but he has something he's working from like 
this is the way things are for our society, and this is how we've gotten to a place where we can feed our people, you know? Um, it, and, and I think that, that Madrid is just played brilliantly by, by David Warner, and it's just a really great character that you learn to really hate because he's torturing Picard and trying to get him to believe something that isn't true, that there are five lights. But, um, yeah, he was one of the first that, that came to mind because just like this, it's really concentrated within that episode in the second part where he's really playing mind games and manipulating Picard. But at the same time, like, he has this complexity to him because, as I said, he has this justification for um, wanting to do what he thinks is best for his people. And he even brings his, his daughter in and he's like, she should know how things are. And he loves his daughter and all of that. So there's this interesting complexity and I like that and a villain, so that was my choice. Well, this was my <laughs> choice as well. So we do have a duplicate. Um, you know, and I absolutely agree with everything you said and feel that he is so complex. Like, we get his backstory. We get why he believes what he is doing is right. We get, you know, like you said, the starvation of his people. Like, he is he loves his people and he thinks mm -hmm. he's doing what's best. I mean, he brings in his daughter to show her the truth and, and the reality of world. He's not, he's not wanting to hide anything. Like he's a family man. Um, and unfortunately he believes in torture and he's all about this misinformation and deceit. And, you know, there are five lights like, and he has this desk job. And I was, I point those things out because it's all things opposite to Picard. And I think that's what makes him such a good villain mm -hmm. opposite Picard yeah. because, you know, Picard doesn't have a family. He doesn't have any children, you know, and here Gol Madrid is bringing in his daughter and, you know, Picard's out on yeah. the Enterprise. He's not sitting behind a desk. He And he obviously does not believe in torture. And Picard is always standing up for truth and what's right. And so yeah. Gol Madrid, here he is, just this exact opposite of Picard and how wonderful they play off each other. I thought this was a great villain in Next Gen. Yeah, and I want to add something. Sorry, Joe, before we get to what you think. Um so what I really like about seeing a complex villain like that is it makes me think, like, is there something that's innate to someone that can make them take these, uh, these terrible, harmful actions? Or is it because of the society they live in, how they've raised all of their experiences? Because it makes me think, like, if I were born a Cardassian within this society and taught what Madrid was and all of that, might I turn out to be like him or is there something like innate within yourself that would resist that or would be be different so I like that Star Trek gets us to think about those difficult questions Joe what do you think about Gol Madrid yeah good choice good obvious choice yeah Jellico is like nuanced <laughs> and um not an obvious are you saying Jellico is more no. of a villain no, than Madrid not in the slightest um, okay okay yeah just no. making sure um it's interesting, Madrid is maybe made more villainous by the fact that it appears he's kind of doing it off book and the rest of the Cardassian government mm. don't appear to know that he's... Right, there's this yes. scene at the end where they're like, why is he still here? Why are yeah. you still doing this? Um, yeah. Which... It's exactly. personal. Um, and it, I, I, Amy, I agree with you. We see his backstory, and I think that's something about Star Trek 
um, TNG TV episodes where they do a really good job of making the villains more three-dimensional and fully formed very quickly over the 45 minutes that we see them for. On the question of nature and nurture, I kind of fall on the side of nurture that good people can end up doing evil acts because of the situations that they're put in and because of all their experiences and how they've been led to do that. And they can justify it, but from an external point, it might seem that they are being evil. Mm-hmm. Well, what I think that we are going to continue this discussion with another villain. So <laughs> okay. let's jump to, Joe, your second pick for a villain. I'm going to choose the parasitic race from Conspiracy. Okay. Not really because of anything they did in the episode. I know they took over humans and they became super strong and they wanted to take over the Federation. And a Vulcan too. (laughs) Well, humanoid species. Um, (laughs) It's because of the end of the episode where Data Mm. says that they they managed to send out a signal to deep space, to the other side of the galaxy. Mm. And then the episode closes with what sounds like an old style radio Morse code broadcast out into yeah. like the the depth of space with a nebula in the background. It's like and it was just super creepy yeah. and super eerie. And I know Gene Roddenberry conceived the episode but didn't like the way it was um it was shown. He thought it was it wasn't quite in the kind of positive future of humanity. Well he didn't actually write it or conceive it, I think um, but but I th- actually, I think what I remember is that um, he had he had some issues initially because there was going to be I forget, but there there was a way they were going to do it originally. He didn't like, so they changed it. He actually encouraged them to make it really gory at the end to push the boundaries <laughs> for some reason, and it is super gory for Star Trek. <laughs> it is, yeah. Interestingly, um, BBC in the UK showed it, mm-hmm. showed Star Trek over here and uh, just after it was initially broadcast in the States um, and the BBC banned that episode. I thought they just edited out the gorier parts of it, no? No, really? they banned okay. it then when it was shown on Sky TV, which is our kind of satellite TV provider over here. Um, they edited out the, the gory parts, but it was initially banned in the UK, wow. which kind of, if you're used to watching Star Trek... Nothing is that gory in Star Trek up to that point. Up to that point, um, probably not. Yeah, <laughs> it was. It's yeah. kind of shocking. No, that yeah. was gory. Yeah, but uh, Joe, that that's a really great choice. It was actually on my longer list for the conspiracy parasites. It's a great episode. They're really creepy. I think with the part that you were talking about, where they're sending out a message. Originally, it was supposed to be part of an arc with the Borg, and the Borg had been controlling them, and the Borg were actually insectoid kind of species, but that didn't pan out. But but yeah, I, th- I think it's a it's a really great choice. It is a villain where you don't, within the episode, actually know what their motivation is or what the heck is going on. No. But but you want to see more. You want to see more. That's yeah. the thing. I want to see what happened when they eventually made it to Federation space. Well, and there, there is a follow-up in the novels, Joe. Oh, you and your novels. Of course I have to, there I have is. to read these have novels. Have you read any Star Trek novels or no? 
My by far my favourite Star Trek novels was a, an anthology. There was four novels mm-hmm. and one big giant tome of a book. Um, it was TOS, uh, TNG, DS9, and Voyager. And oh, was that Invasion? Yes, I love right. it. That's a good one. I read it. One. I read it when I was getting the train to uni every day, and I read it alongside listening to a weird kind of pop rock CD. It was like best <laughs> al- best rock songs in the world ever kind of thing. So anytime I hear these songs, I'm taken back to feeling the way I did when reading the novels. Interesting. Um, are, are those the only ones you've read? Oh, no, I've read a few. I've read a few of the audiobooks. The problem with... Um, I've listened to Star Trek audiobooks. The problem I find with Star Trek audiobooks is they're mostly really abridged. Uh, that's how it used to be. That's not how it is anymore. Oh, okay. Yeah, they used to be abridged because there was a limited amount of space you might have on a tape or CD oh, at the time. A, a tape? But now... Be- what, what is that? Well, <laughs> it's this this thing that audio used to be heard on. Oh. But but yeah, like it, they, they had a limited space, and so they had to abridge it way back when, especially like 80s and 90s. But now they do audiobooks for all the new Star Trek novels that come out, and they're unabridged. I mean, it's like, you know, 15 hours long, but <laughs> but they're unabridged. Nice. There are new Star Trek books coming out now. You should get the audiobooks for them. Anyway. But there's so many podcasts to listen to. That's my problem. There's that and too. so much news to listen to. So yeah, fifteen-hour audiobook is a week of listening for me generally. That's not so, so that's bad. good. Wow. But but anyway, getting back to it, in case listeners want to check it out, the follow-up is the DS9 novel Unity. All right, Justin, give us your second pick. Well, I you know I wasn't sure who would get to this because it is obvious, but I love them as a villain, and it's the Borg. So which you could see almost as like the quintessential villain when people think about about TNG. And I mean, they are in various episodes in TNG and Voyager and Enterprise going to be in Picard, too. So um, they've been like all across Star Trek. But I think what makes the, the Borg a really great villain is that, you know, unlike some of these other ones we talk about where it's an individual person, it's this whole like collective of billions and trillions of individuals that that are your enemy when i think about that i mean that's that's kind of a frightening thing but at the same time you know starting with something like iborg you got the sense like there are people inside of these borg so there there are there is some like suffering that happened because these people of different species were were assimilated and you know if they can be liberated like like hugh was or like seven was you know they could actually live out regular lives and not be so villainous. So I think like over over the course of what we've seen of, of the Borg, I think it's been quite interesting because they're frightening, but also there's something that's relatable or understandable because all of these Borg at one level or, or another are really victims of the circumstance and can't control their, their actions. So anyway, I had to choose that because if one of us didn't choose the Borg, someone would be like, why didn't you choose the Borg? <laughs> No, that is a great pick. I uh, was obviously thinking about them. And when I think of the Borg, I always remember uh, when Michael Piller wrote Best of Both Worlds, you know, (laughs) part one. And then he's like, well, I'm not coming back. So I'm going to write this impossible situation. And oh, boy, was it impossible, you know. Uh, And so it that, you know, is warm and fuzzy to my heart because I just the Borg really do have a special place in my heart because of how villainous they are and how they were treated in next gen and, you know, just this unconquerable and how are we going to defeat them and, you know, bringing in individuality into a collective 
just a brilliant idea that I think works so well. Joe, what do you think about the Borg? I think I didn't pick it, I think, because we've got so much info, more information about the Borg now because of what happened in Voyager. And I think Voyager diminished the Borg to such an extent that they became kind of unvillainous or non-villainous um, because Voyager went up with, against multiple cubes and kind of dealt with them kind of fairly easily a lot of the time. I don't agree with that, but so yeah. well, yeah, I have, I have heard that criticism too. And now watching, you know, some Voyager Borg, I still feel like they keep the main tenets of what was started in Next Gen. But yeah, they're going to run into them more because they are literally in the Delta Quadrant and trying to go through their space. And granted, I don't recall every single Borg episode, but I thought. I still think that they're scary, and I think Janeway had to deal with the same issues that Picard did. Mm. I think they're definitely, at that point, they're more scary when you first meet them because yes. they're more unknown. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And the more information we get about them, they, and the fact that it's Star Trek and you know episodic Star Trek of the past um, resets after every episode mostly, mm-hmm. um, then we know our heroes are going to be safe. So I think the Borg, good pick, because Borg TNG were scary. Like the conspiracy par- parasites, they were unknown. Um, mm-hmm. They were super powerful, and we didn't know what our heroes could do to, to yeah. beat them. So we met them first in Q-Who, and then that cliffhanger in Best of Both Worlds, I was like... There, the there is one thing with an on-screen trek that we still don't know, though. We still don't know their origin. It, it has been explained in the novels, the Destiny trilogy, which is amazing. But in on-screen trek, it hasn't been explained. I don't know. I wonder if in Picard they might get to something about their, their origin. But it is one of those things where, at least on screen, you don't know why they exist or how they got this way. So I think there is still something to be explored there. Well, for my second pick, um, I am going with this amazing villain who is the only villain who has taken the life of a main character. Oh my goodness, Amy, who could this be? (laughs) And that would be Armus in The Skin of Evil. Oh, you know, that's actually different than what I thought you were going to say, but go ahead. Oh, well, did we lose another main character? Um, well, it was because of Shinzon that Data died. Oh. <laughs> That's where I thought you were going. Oh, I totally <laughs> forgot about that. Oh. How could it. you forget about Data? <laughs> oh. Well, uh, okay. It's because well, Nemesis was such a terrible movie. I was still... Oh. <laughs> I was, when I was making my list, I'm going chronologically, so hang on to that thought, Justin, because we will get I, there. <laughs> I figured Shinzon would be in there, but I thought that's where you were going. They killed the main character. Oh, okay. my gosh. No, Fine. I was thinking of Tasha in first season. Okay. <laughs> oh, my. Con- convince us why yeah. Armin- Armis is more of a villain than Shinzon. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, because we did lose a main character, but now that point is null and void because <laughs> I totally forgot about Data. Um, but... Why I like Armis, again, because I feel that he's very complex. He Mm. was created by these aliens sloughing off all of their evil thoughts and putting and creating this right skin of evil. Um, He was created. He had no other way to be than to be this villain, evil, 
sadonic, just, you know, want to see other people torture. Like he didn't have a choice for him going back to that nature nurture. His nature defines who he is and he has no choice. And I like the episode in part because Troy has a, a large part to play with it. And Troy is trying to change you know, and nurture him into making different choices. But because of who he is, he has no choice. Uh, he has to be who he is. And that is why I think he's a good villain. We do get a little bit of his backstory, you know, with how he was created. And he just lives up to who he is. So I chose Armas for my second villain. What do you guys think about that, Joe? I like that. It's good choice. It was on my honorable mentions list. Interesting choice in that he's one of the only villains that we see that are truly and purely evil. But by mm -hmm. that he is as by his construction, he is just unadulterated evil. And I don't think any other villain in Star Trek is pure evil. I would go so far to say that I don't think evil exists in the world. Mm -hmm. Ooh, that, that's a whole other topic you could take uh, an hour uh, talking about. Yeah, <laughs> I, I know, I'm aware. Um, he, he, and because of that, I think a lot of the villains in Star Trek we see have some kind of seed of humanity within them that we try and find and exploit to bring them around mm. and kind of solve the problem of the episode. But Armist doesn't have that. Um, he lacks all humanity, has no compassion, by definition doesn't care. Mm -hmm. is just following mm -hmm. his kind of programming, so to speak. Right. Justin, what do you think? Yeah, it's a great pick. It was on my longer list as well. Um, and, and I think, you know, people tend to think of Skin of Evil as that's the one where Tasha died. Um, but, like, if you look at it as an episode itself, I think it's a really great season one episode. Me too. I mean... Because there's a couple of things that are that are going on. I mean, first there's the shock of Tasha dying and pretty fairly early on in the episode, but there's also this this being that, through no fault of their own, really was created as this evil construction and is just kind of lashing out and trying to find you know whatever it is that that he can do to amuse himself or you know find something interesting because he's just been on that planet for so long and there is that great really great interaction with with troy where they're talking back and forth and there's the part on the ship where they're trying to you know figure out how to how to deal with with armis um and i find that you know the the uh memorial scene with uh tasha is is really moving as well i think it's a great episode all around and i think I'm trying to think, Joe, because it's hard to say with, you know, 700 plus episodes, like, is there not someone else or something else, some other character that's kind of like a pure expression of evil like this? But you may be right because... I think there's maybe one, Yeah, but it's on my longer list. Am I allowed to say it? If, if it's if it's on your longer list and not going to be your third choice, yes. <laughs> yeah, I think Nagilum um, from Nagilum. Where Silence mm. Has Lease... Um, yeah. who's another kind of extra dimensional evil entity um, and toys with the crew. Yeah, but I don't think he has a cho I mean, I think he does have a choice. I think Armas has no choice. His mm -hmm. yeah. fiber, how he was created, you know, takes away that choice. I think Nagelum's yeah. maybe closer to being like a Q right. type entity, super powerful and just wants to 
It just wants like a pet to play with, like a cat plays with a mouse or a, yeah, a, a yeah. ball of wool. Yeah. Um, it just wants it's a good to point. cause disruption. It's a good point, Amy. Maybe Nagilam has a choice where Armus really kind yeah. of doesn't, which, yeah. is, which is kind of tragic. Like It is. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so round three. <laughs> Some of ours might be already given away, but Joe, what's your third pick? Okay, I feel like Justin's going to say that's not a film. Um, however, I'm going to go with this next one. And I, I've chosen this character because Captain Picard rises to heights in terms of his acting skill that I, we see mm-hmm. a few times throughout Star Trek, but it just gives me chills. So, And it's so measured and so thought-provoking and so resonant um, currently in the world in which we live um, that I, yeah, I love it. So I'm going to quote what Picard says, and you'll know exactly who it is. I I know who it is already, but go ahead. Okay, (laughs) fine. No, Joe, give us the quote. Okay, I'm going to go. (laughs) So Picard says, you know, there are some words I've known since I was a schoolboy. With the first link, the chain is forged. The first speech censured, the first thought forbidden, the first freedom denied, chains us all irrevocably. Those words were uttered by Judge Aaron Satie as wisdom and warning. The first time any man's freedom is trodden on, we're all damaged. I fear that today, then he's cut off by Rear Admiral Nora Satie in the drumhead. Yep, that's exactly where I thought you were going. (laughs) Nice. Um, yeah, it's a great she, she obviously has, she's coming from a place where she has good intentions, potentially, initially, where she wants to seek out some kind of cancer that she ha- perceives as taking over the enterprise. Um, at the beginning of the episode, there's been an explosion that's nearly destroyed the warp core and blown up the ship. Um, it turns out there's potentially a conspiracy going on and some inside actors that are in league with the Romulans. And she she believes that there's something going on, and it leads her to believe that Captain Picard's in league with the Romulans. Um, she's got this singular focus, um, and she doesn't want to believe anything else. The fact that Captain Picard has to... Can I, he looks down at one point when he's on trial. He looks down and goes... And you can see in his eyes that he's made this decision to explain what's happening. And it's for that reason, the fact that he has to do that makes her even more villainous. And then she loses it at the end and says, how dare you? You don't know who I am. And my father was a great man and you who can sort with Romulans. Um, And she kind of breaks down at that point. And then the episode is pretty much over. But yeah, she... She's one of those people, she's human, she's coming from a good place, but it gets twisted and contorted and um, warped into her being a villain. So. Yeah, I, th- I think that's a great choice. That was on my longer list as well. And definitely in that episode, it does start innocently enough. Oh, there's been this explosion, let's see what's happened. And it quickly becomes for her a way to to root out people who who might disagree or she's kind of paranoid and seeing all these these conspiracies everywhere and she definitely becomes mm. villainous because she sweeps up 
Worf in it who's believing and helping her out. And it's something that's very dangerous until Picard basically kind of exposes that. And there's another admiral there who just kind of <laughs> has to end it. But I've always wondered about that episode. Is she just has she just become mentally unstable and she's like seeing all of these these things that aren't there or like what do you think actually happens to her joe that that she's like this she's obviously um reached the position of rear admiral for a reason she's retired at this point also she's just come back for this investigation or something like yeah, that so right? she obviously reached some kind of the heady heights of power within the federation she's obviously very legally savvy She's obviously done very good work in the past. Is she, I don't know, is she maybe trying to live up to her father's legacy hmm. and trying to break a big story? I find that she has a bit of an ego problem because I feel like through all of her experiences and, you know, she has been given all of these honors, like she feels that she knows best. And to me, that speaks of ego. Hmm. Ego didn't occur to me. That's maybe a good point. It's that nature-nurture thing again. The way she's been nurtured through life and through her accomplishments and her kind of work with Starfleet and the Federation and becoming a rear admiral, then is she is that she's had power in the past. Has that power mm -hmm. corrupted her beliefs and warped and twisted her into what she becomes in the episode? Yeah, that she believes her successes. Yeah, she yeah. believes there is a conspiracy where no conspiracy exists. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I. it's a really great episode. I do feel that if they had a little bit more time, one of the things that would have really added was if you got some more backstory to how she's come to this place or something in her past experience that's causing her to do this. Mm -hmm. I'm know? sure Justin's going to tell us that it's been in a novel. <laughs> <laughs> I I. I can say that uh, I have read Sati being in at least uh, some short stories previous to this where she's an admiral uh, and maybe even a novel where you're just kind of seeing her in a position of power okay. and, you know, making order. But there isn't really an explanation mm. that I've read so far about her behavior, although I've only read like a third of the novel. So there's a lot of still out there. Awesome. I think she's maybe my favorite badmiral. You know, like every oh, admiral that yeah. comes on, with the, maybe the exception of Admiral Nechev, who isn't bad. I quite, I, I I quite like so. Admiral Nechev. Um, I think her and Picard have a good relationship. But most of the other admirals mm -hmm. are a bit bad um, or villainous. They have yeah. villainous qualities, let's say. Um, maybe, although not so much uh, Nakamura, I would say. He's only in a couple episodes, yeah. but he's not really doing anything too yeah. bad. No. He's just <laughs> the messenger. <laughs> True, but it's coming. He's the admiral. He's in charge. Anyway, I was going to say that the drumhead is one of my favorite episodes because of Picard and the way what he's given to say. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, uh, Justin, your third and final pick. I know for my third pick, I had played it up earlier as something that neither of you would pick, which I think has come I'm true. I'm excited. Um, and also something that's unusual. I will only give you one hint for you to guess. It's a villain that's been in 12 episodes and two movies of The Next Generation. Any guesses? Duras Sisters. Nope. Mm. And you only get one guess, Joe. 12 episodes and two movies. That's right. <laughs> Is it a whole race? 
Uh, you guys aren't on the right track. Okay. Should I tell you what it yes. is? No, no. I want okay. to guess. Oh, okay. Okay. Ah. One guess, One, Joe, one guess. guess. Um, 12 episodes, two movies. It's not Q, because Q wasn't in any movies. No. He's been in a lot no. of episodes. It's not The Borg, because you've mentioned The Borg already. No. Um, no. It's going to be something that's not, it's not okay. going to be a race you've or a You've already person. had like three guesses. Uh, no, I'm saying it, what it's, it's not it's going too... to be. I'm not guessing. Those weren't guesses <laughs> necessarily. They were, I'm saying it can't be these things. I'm drooling out. By process of elimination, I will get to eventually. Yeah, eventually. But okay. <laughs> That's the, the longest the, the, the listeners have had of Earl Grey ever. Um, <laughs> have had enough suspense. Wait, let, let me just give what it'll it be is like and the, see what you guys it'll think. It'll be like a starship or something. No, okay. no. All right. Let me give my, <laughs> my third pick. So my third pick, because I think it causes so much trouble for our heroes across 12 episodes and two movies is time travel and alternate no. timelines. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Unacceptable selection. Please try Unacceptable again. Unacceptable selection. Does this fit no, your I'm original serious. definition of how you define a villain? No. Justin. <laughs> Possibly not. Okay, but then, but continue. Let me, okay, let, let me just list out the episodes in the movies, and then I'll make my argument for you, which I will have to construct while I list out the episodes in the movies. So... You, you see time travel and alternate timelines in Wallways Have Paris, Time Squared, Yesterday's Enterprise, Captain's Holiday, A Matter of Time, Cause and Effect, Time Zero, Tapestry, Timescape, Parallels, Firstborn, All Good Things, Generations, and First Contact. Those are the two movies. So here's the thing. I know we've been talking about uh, characters as villains, right? And And they have an impact on you know one episode or a set of episodes i think the borg and tng you see them in q who and best of both worlds both parts and iborg and descent i think that's like seven episodes in one movie or something like that but i feel like time travel and alternate timelines are something in in star trek that comes along and really messes with things and you have to adjust to that and it is I see it sometimes as some of it. It's it's a smaller part of the episode, but it is kind of a, a villain within the episode. I mean, something like like first contact time travel makes it possible for the Borg to basically try to wipe out uh, or or kind of Borgify humanity centuries earlier. Um, and if you look at at um, at something like like yesterday's Enterprise, there's this alternate timeline that that comes in, and it just messes with everything. And they have to take this huge risk in order to get out of that situation and then you know tasha goes back into the past and it creates sila so i think there are all of these like ramifications and i think more than anything else within the next generation it is that thing that has these these negative consequences that our crew has to deal with now it's not a character it's not like an intelligence that's trying to do these things but it's kind of like an aspect of of the universe that is against them in all of these situations. So you guys may think that's silly, but it was one of the things I thought of, like, let me think outside of just specific characters and let me think of something that you have to deal with a lot in TNG and across Star Trek that gets you into some really difficult situations to get out of and where your antagonist, like, is this situation that time travel and alternate timelines have gotten you into? Wow, that is really thinking outside of the box. <laughs> That's very interesting, and I can see uh, exactly where you're going with it. I sort of like it. Joe, what do you think? Okay. Well, um, for my fourth pick, I'm going to, <laughs> Wait, I'm going to choose what do you think of my- space travel, because space travel <laughs> has got our heroes into so much trouble. 
why can't we have like star stay on earth which is this amazing yeah, tv show started in 1966 <laughs> where people just I know you're trying to make fun of my pick okay but, i know but, but here's the thing like the, the 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 travel the space travel that you go through sure can have dangers but it's not like every episode that it's in it has this negative impact that you have to deal with time travel and alternate timelines every time that you encounter it in star trek it is something that has adverse consequences. Okay. No, it is not. Let's think about TNG. It's not necessarily true because in TOS there was that little thing where they time travel a little bit. But anyway, and I think with the episode TNG, parallels, that's not tragedy. We just have to get back to the right one. It's not, you know, danger. Parallels had no time it, travel in it. it that's no, the, I'm, I'm saying time travel and alternate timelines. Uh, okay. So oh. Worf is traveling between all of these alternate sure. timelines. But even within within that one, it's possible. Like he's going between all of these timelines, and he's having this impact on some of these timelines that that could be it. Well, it gets reset at the end, but like he's having this impact on all of these different timelines, and there's a danger that he could never get back, and that that could adversely impact the the Enterprise. I mean, and also at the end, you get like all of these like alternate enterprises including this like tragic <laughs> Riker that's had to deal with the Borg for so long so it is this difficulty that you have to get out of even in parallels they, there is a solution that they need to uh, put into place for that so okay uh, Joe doesn't agree that's fine yeah. <laughs> okay. I agree that time travel is problematic in most of the times we see it on TV however I'm struggling with the definition of it being villainous. And I think Justin is struggling with your definition of Jellicoe being a villain. So tit <laughs> so, for tat, there we at least, go. <laughs> at least my pick was a person. <laughs> Who says it has to be a person? Well, no one. You know? Time is the fire in which we burn, oh, right? Yes. <laughs> Why would you do that, Justin? That's like one of the only times it makes me cry. When like Captain Picard is looking at his photo album. Yes. And Troy comes in, and it's like, oh, this is just deeply sad. Yes. You're a terrible no. person. You're a villain. Justin Ozer's a villain. <sighs> Me, Angelico. Well, listeners, you'll have to tell us if you like my pick or you think it's silly. Or if you have an outside-of-the-box pick of your own. Don't, don't like it. Don't like it. Okay, <laughs> so can uh, we get to my third pick? Because I have been yeah, waiting yeah. this entire episode I'm to sorry. talk about my pick. Is it the warp drive, mm -hmm. Amy? <laughs> Transporters. No, neither of those things have a negative impact in every episode. Spatial anomalies. Okay, right. so listeners, do you see what I have to deal with? Oh, okay, my third pick. Um, I chose, and you probably already guessed because Justin figured it out way early, is Shinzon. And I... When I got that we were going to talk about villains, this was my first one that came to mind was Shinzon and Armas. Those two were like the two that popped out at me. And I love Shinzon because to me, he is the most sympathetic. And if you remember what I said, like my definition of a villain is that I should be able to relate to them and know their backstory. And we get this terrific backstory with Shinzon on why he was created, how he was created, this clone in order to take over and remove Picard and have him be his replacement. Like it's so personable for Picard. And for him, and I love the back and forth because um, between 
Picard and Shinzon's nurture versus nature. Like this is the whole reason, one of the reasons why I love uh, Nemesis so much because unlike Armas, Shinzon has a choice. He was created with the most evil of intent, but he still has a choice. And when they're talking and have sharing dinner together and they look up to the stars and they're finishing each other's sentences and, and Shinzon's trying to learn, were we always explorers? Well, no, we, I'm, I'm sorry, I could quote it forever, but like they're that back and forth and Shinzon is deciding to make this choice and he chooses to, you know, kill Picard and take over Earth. But, you know, that's his choice. And I think it's just so relatable to talk about, you know, and, and even when Picard starts guessing, second guessing himself. And it's like, you know, if I was put in that situation, would I be like that? And it's Data who has to, you know, sort of snap him out of it and say, no, that's not who you are. Um, I just find the whole dynamic between Shinzon and Picard so relevant, so important, so complex. I totally buy in why Shinzon wants to get to know Picard and in the end, why he wants to kill Picard. Like, he doesn't want to play second fiddle. I mean, no one wants to. He doesn't want to be, um, you know, the echo to the voice. Like, oh, I just love Nemesis yeah. and I think Shinzon is a great villain i'll just say briefly like i agree with you amy and we've talked about nemesis and i do think that uh that it's good it has its problems but um joe i don't know if you've had a chance in your you know 10 episodes here to talk about nemesis and shinzon so what do you think i like what you're saying amy <laughs> i'm going to rewatch nemesis with what you said in mind i have a problem and it's that problem where you're taken out of the storyline because of his unbelievability. And I don't think Tom Hardy was a good pick for Shinzon. Oh. I he's an amazing actor, yes. <laughs> I would have much preferred them to have used Patrick Stewart playing Shinzon. So playing against himself. Mm-hmm. And they, they could have done it quite easily. Yeah. Um, with makeup, they could have, with CGI of the time, they could have made him look still like Picard. Or Shinzon could have been could have been aged to the point that Picard was at that point, so he basically looked the same. Yeah. Although I think I, that would have been traumatic for me to see like Picard basically kill his clone that looks exactly like him, mm. <laughs> you know, like impale yeah, him. Yeah, I think I would have <laughs> bought into it more, possibly. But the, like, okay. I think in TNG we see pictures of Picard when he's like at the academy and he's got hair. Yeah, that's the mm-hmm. only flaw. But as far as Shinzon as a villain, what do you think about the story? And the- oh, he's like super villain. He's like Bond level okay. villain, isn't he? He is, though. Okay. He wants to, there's something insidious about it. He wants to understand Picard, then destroy him. Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. in part because that's his, like he's got this medical condition, right? Because of the fact that he's a clone, he knows he has to die, and in order to save himself, he must kill Picard. Like, to me, it's just so relatable and complex. I love it. And in order for Picard to save himself, he must kill Shinzon, right? It kind of goes one way or the other. It doesn't right. have. It doesn't. It doesn't have to kill Shinzon. This. Uh, well, he's put into a position right. in because of Shinzon's yeah. actions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
In order to save himself, mm. Shinzon <laughs> has to extract whatever he needs from Picard, which would cause cause Picard's death. So that's my third pick. So, listeners, share with us yours. Now, let's go go quickly through your honorable mentions, um, what uh, had to be cut. Joe? Uh, so I've mentioned the Gilum from Where mm-hmm. Silence Is Lease, an extra-dimensional entity who just wanted to... He kind of wanted a pet to play with and toy and torment. And then my next one is Kivas Fajo from The Most Toys mm. because... He's intelligent. He captures data. He he um, conspires to have it look like data has died in a shuttlecraft explosion, um, but keeps him in his museum of things he wants to kind of have around his kind of baseball cards and his um, rare paintings and things like that. The thing about Kivas Fajo is he's a bit of a psychopath. He's cold. He has no <laughs> compassion, yeah. which is as close to evil as you will get when you're intelligent, but you still seek out to do these things. And then he kills his kind of second in command, his kind of love interest at the end. But he just does it, and there's a look on his face, brilliantly acted, but it's like, hmm, yeah, you're going to die now. And they're dead. So he's a, he's a total psychopath. A bit like Hannibal Lecter. I know he didn't eat anybody, but he's super intelligent, and he's super psychotic which makes him very scary from my point of view as a a sane human being i know i only want to kill the odd couple of people but that scares me that's a great pick we don't talk about that episode enough we haven't tended to no yeah good job i like those picks joe justin what's on your honorable mentions well um an honorable mention that i had was the aliens in schisms so those are the ones that are taking people away during the night and doing some kind of experiments mm. on them. So I, I have it on my honorable mention list because like you could see them as a villain because they're doing, I mean, they're doing these terrible experiments and I think at least one person dies mm. and, and all of that. You don't find out in the episode what their motivation is. Sorry, I will go into the novels again. You do find out <laughs> in a Titan novel called Sight Unseen and, and uh, you get to understand why they're doing this, but... Just within the episode, um, just within the episode, it's it's frightening, um, and I think that in in a similar way to the Borg, like you're not understanding why they're doing something, and it's kind of adversely affecting the the crew. So that's one of the ones I thought about. What do you think? Mm, uh, no, I don't think they're a villain. I think there's curiosity, and how can you? say that they're a villain when they're being curious and wanting to learn wanting to learn i mean they're doing these experiments like they severed riker's arm and reattached it i mean how could they not know that okay so when (laughs) when you're wanting to learn about like mechanics and you take things apart and try and put them back together again that's what they're doing but they're doing it to sentient beings but did they know they were (laughs) sentient beings because they were from another another kind of level of subspace or what we would call normal space Right. I think they would. Mm, Interesting. I think they were just scientists. And they were just kind of seeing what was out there and playing around with it. But yeah, I would agree that they are super creepy. The scene on the holodeck where they're trying to recreate. That's one of the the truly creepy, scary points in Star Trek. Um, Like the table. And then this is like Ikea. It's like holodeck Ikea. (laughs) Okay, because you guys were were skeptical about that that pick, 
Another one I had on my list is Ardra in Devil's Do, where she's taking advantage of, of this planet. Yes. I, and yes. and uh, trying to say that she's like this devil figure. I mean, and she's really trying to just take advantage of people. Mm-hmm. Amy says yeah, yes. Joe that's says... That's not nice. That's uh, villainous. Um, although that episode did really scare me because <laughs> I was brought up Catholic. And so with <laughs> Catholicism, you're basically told that you have to behave or you're going to go to hell. And it's replete with images of kind of the devil and kind of damnation. So when Ardra kind of morphs into an image of like the the human version of kind of Lucifer or Beelzebub or whatever he was or she was, um, that kind of, that scared me as a, a teenager. I was like, I don't want to see that because... My yeah. kind of religious programming at the time was home. like, oh, that's a, that's not something that's acceptable to my brain. So please take it away. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that's that's I like that pick. You have one. Yeah. So my honorable mention, I really had to go back and forth between Gol Madrid and Doctor Soren. Hmm. I love him in Generations, and why I like him as a villain is because he has a singular purpose. And I think it's just a warning to all of us to, you've got to open your eyes and, you know, don't get lost in the forest because you're looking at one tree. Like, you've he's so single-minded and just, I'm going to kill millions and this entire sun that's going to destroy life on planets, all because he wants to get back into the nexus. Like, that singularity of, you know, mindedness, scares me to death and so that's why he's on my list uh-huh. that's a good pick i like that pick although i really like malcolm mcdowell as an actor um yes i think not long before generations i saw clockwork orange for the first time and it's just like stanley kubrick's just it's uh it's not pleasant to watch in places um it's a frightening yes movie. <laughs> um so i think i I think my brain just naturally tied in his character in a clockwork orange and Doctor Soren to make him even more kind of terrifying. So yeah, mm. good pick. Mm. And I think clockwork the orange, <laughs> <that. laughs> yeah, nice. <laughs> um, I think the lighting in Generations has a lot to do with that because it's kind of yes, this it, is the first time we've seen TNG on the big screen, and it, it just it, there's a dark in a darkness and a, a sinisterness to it that we've never seen before, mm. which helps play along with his character. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I love the lighting. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, we've had a very robust discussion, so let's get to your final thoughts, Joe. What are you thinking about this episode of Villains? I was re- even though we had like two hours to come up with our picks and research it. I, I, I think we did really well, being kind of almost off the cuff. And it was a good, as you say, robust discussion, even though Justin's picks some, in some cases weren't so good. Um, uh, and even though, yeah, even though re- Joe's picks in some places weren't so good. <laughs> but mine were perfect. Yeah, Amy's fine. were perfect, 100% all throughout. Good job, Amy. <laughs> um, whatever. Yes, no, I really enjoyed this. It was, it's kind of talking about bad guys is... It's a really, it's something easy to talk about because there are so many in Star Trek. It's why our our hero characters have so much work to do. And it's why Patrick Stewart gives such phenomenal performances in places. So yeah, I had such a great time. 
Yeah, I think it was so fun. And when I was thinking about villains and, you know, going back to the definition of I like them to be complex and that, you know, I can be able to relate to them. Like, it was interesting as I was thinking about villains, I was, I came up with a lot of villains that, like I said at the beginning, like they were placed that way. They were created in this situation because on sort of my extra long list, like Armas and Shinzon, I thought of Dr. Moriarty. You know, he was created mm. in the holodeck to beat Data or Lore. You know, he was mm. created by Dr. Soon. This, this theme, and I thought, wow, that's really interesting why I keep going to these villains who were created and trying to overcome. And I think it goes back to that nature versus nurture. And so going through this discussion really has given me a lot to think about of our choices and what freedom we have to choose our own destiny and who are we going to become. Are we going to become the hero or are we going to become the villain? I think it's been a great discussion. Justin, what are your final thoughts? Yeah, I I wasn't sure when I proposed this just a few hours ago what you guys would think or if there'd be time to prepare, but I think we did come up with a lot of, of great picks. I think that oftentimes when I hear the word villain, I think about like the one-dimensional villains or the mustache twirling kind of like, ah, I'm going to get you and I'm just evil. But I think we did find a lot where there there are different aspects to, to the character that you can kind of a bit understand where they're coming from, even if their actions aren't justified, like, you know, Golmadred or the Borg or Armis, um, Shinzon, you know, Kivas Fajo, Soren. I mean, those are all characters, I think, that have some motivation or some reason for doing what they're doing where they're really motivated and they don't care if it's something that might push the boundaries of morality or something that, that's wrong. So I thought that was very interesting. Um, maybe I built up my pick about time travel and alternate timelines too much because it kind of fell flat, but oh well. Um, <laughs> I was probably trying to be too clever there. But yeah, I, I think, and, and we talked about nature versus nurture and some deeper discussions. So I love when we talk about these things where you start and talk about villains, but you get into talking about things we can relate to within our own humanity or trying to put ourselves into the the shoes or the position of of someone else and see if that could be us as well i i just love these kinds of discussions where we get into those topics great well listeners be sure to let us know your top picks of uh, villains of next generation we'd love to hear what you have to say so next week we are going to do an amazing crossover with our standard orbit crew very excited uh so we will talk about alternate realities and parallel universes and again this is going to continue our fan collection uh, series because they've got some on the original series and then we'll talk about the episodes on the next generation justin do you have a list of those episodes i do have a list of those episodes so would you like to I share would. them so on standard orbit we will be talking about alternative factor the Enemy Within, and Turnabout Intruder. That should be interesting. I'm not too much of a fan of any of those. But um, And then on Earl Grey, we'll be talking about Parallels, Frame of Mind. So those are the yeah. six episodes if you want to watch those over the course of the next week. So you can join in on the discussion that will happen on Standard Orbit and then on Earl Grey. And I'm sure we'll be watching them too and tweeting about them as we <laughs> watch. So you can join in there. Yep. <laughs> 
Well, it's been so much fun talking about villains of Next Generation, but that isn't the only thing we've been talking about here on the network. Here is what you might have missed elsewhere on Trek FM. Previously on Trek.FM, The Ready Room. Is this the supernatural Klingon episode? What is this going to be? And then it just turns out to go in, you know, go in and you know, dig your own time crystals, State Park. I mean, it's <laughs> like, okay. I Well, Larry, again, you know, he, you, he you, you go it. in there and you there's a like a, a basket type thing there and you, you put in your 10 quat lose and you mm-hmm. get 60 minutes to dig your time crystal. Darsex. Darsex. Yeah. Yeah, actually, the Klingons want Darsex, don't yeah, they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you go in, and actually, however many time crystals you can dig in 60 minutes, you get to keep. But the catch is, they're time crystals. So 60 minutes to one person <laughs> is only a minute to someone else. That- Literary Treks. Uh, we have the conversation between Pike and the uh, the Star- Starfleet Admiral Terrell uh, about the specifics of why they were kept out of the war this is even before we're in a situation where they have no choice but to stay out of the war. They couldn't go back if they wanted to. By, you know, sort of setting up the, the, the milestones in the story for this is about when this is happening during season one, uh, you know, that allows us to tell our own independent story within that. But yet also, you'll always know where you are in the regular TV show. Earl Grey. That question about whether life exists either yes it does because like enough time has elapsed and there's enough planets out there or no it doesn't because we are that race oh <laughs> that seeds yeah. life elsewhere in the universe at the, some point the other the answer is it did but they all destroyed themselves you know but that's that's also kind of unlikely that you'd have lots of civilizations all doing the same thing and destroying themselves i think but to the journey <laughs> In the That's all I could think about with that this one. Is, this is the Seinfeld in Space episode. I keep waiting for Elaine to show up. I'm trying to think of what Jerry Seinfeld would say in Jerry Seinfeld's tone of voice inside this episode. Can you do Can you, can you do a good Jerry Seinfeld? Oh, good grief, no. Not even close. I'm trying to think how I would approach doing a Jerry Seinfeld impersonation. It's not coming to me. <laughs> <laughs> He's got that super high-pitched da-da-da-da-da kind of, I don't know, kind yeah. of voice. Well, that you did really well, the da-da-da-da-da. So, yeah, there you go. Why don't they just warp out of here? (laughs) And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. Check out all these shows and join the conversation about your favorite corner of the Star Trek universe and beyond. You'll find us wherever you get your podcasts. If you're an Apple user, be sure to hit the subscribe button in Apple Podcasts on iPhone, iPad, or Apple TV, or the desktop iTunes app to get the latest episodes as soon as they are published. And please leave us a star rating and written review. That helps others to find the show, and you can be entered into our drawing for those amazing collectible cards. If you've gotten this far in the episode and you still haven't given us a star rating and written review, hit pause, do that review, and then come back because we're going to have some fun bonus stuff in a minute. If you're not an Apple user, we've got you covered as well. You can find our shows on Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spreaker, SoundCloud, YouTube, Windows Phone, and most third-party apps, and you can stream and download the MP3 file from our website or grab the RSS link. We'd love to hear your thoughts on today's show, and there are many ways for you to do that. The best place to join in the larger conversation is the Babel Conference, our listeners group on Facebook. Just type Babel, B-A-B-E-L, into the search field on Facebook, and it should come right up. Okay, you guys want a bonus question? Yes, I want a bonus question. <laughs> it's Joe's favorite part. Uh, 
All right, so we've talked about villains in TNG, our top picks. What is your one top pick for a Star Trek villain outside of TNG? Joe? Okay, so one top pick is becoming two. because no, one only. Because of time travel. <laughs> okay, fine. So recently, the two-parter season two of the Orville with the, the robot people, I thought that yes, was spectacularly good. Crisis. Yes. What the what's um, the race called again? The K Kalon. Kalon, yeah, that that was that was best of both worlds level good that episode. So recently for them, that one. Um we're okay, Star Trek, please. <laughs> what? I said you your your pick for a villain in Star Trek but outside of TNG. Oh I thought you meant no, I was no, saying no, Star no, Trek. No. Did I mishear you? I misheard you, <laughs> sorry. Oh, okay. But that's still a good pick. Thanks sure. for bringing in the Orville. <laughs> Thank you. Um, and you can listen to Amy on um, Discoville <laughs> and the Fandom Podcast Network. I was going to, my outside Star Trek pick was going to be the Harkonnen from the Dune series by Frank Herbert. Okay, so outside <laughs> Dominion. The Dominion is villain. Okay. An entire race. Or yeah. an, well, an entire group of races, really. Yeah. True. Um, I like um, Jeffrey Combs anytime he plays anything on Star Trek, but specifically him as Wei yeah. Just that calculated way that he has. And he speaks so smoothly. I can't even imitate him, but uh -huh. it's like such a smooth way of talking, but but there's just like such malice underneath it. That, that's what that is. It's malice. Yeah. yeah. Oh, great pick. What do you think, Amy? Oh gosh, uh, this is really hard because I just know Next Gen so well. Now I've been watching Deep Space Nine, so there's got to be some villains there. Oh yeah, I don't like that lady changeling. Oh, the female changeling. The female That's changeling. A good yeah, I don't yeah. like her. Played by Salome Jens, who was the same actress that played the the, the species, the seeded all life in the galaxy, and yeah. the mm -hmm. chase. Yep. Oh, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I just saw Good a photo pick. of that. And I was like, hey, that's the female changeling. Well, uh, so, oh, can I, pick, I, I'm going to oh. have a third pick. Sorry, I'm no. having a third pick. No, I'm Joe, it was just else. one. And you no, did sorry. like three hours. No, I know I know. it's just one, Joe, but I really no, like them. And, and Voyager. No, I'm unvetoing. <laughs> I pressed the unveto button. It'll take longer it's to deny him, so mine. go ahead. <laughs> yes, it will. Um, those guys in Voyager that were kind of phased and cloaked and they were going around oh my god i just watched that the, the other crew. day that's in scientific method those guys are yes. well <laughs> i say guys but it's it's a it's a race and you see male and female scientists yeah they're out of phase and they're doing these horrific experiments on the voyager crew because but that's interesting mm -hmm. because that happens because there's something going on like on their own home world or in their empire or whatever where there's some disease so they need to do research on voyager's crew but yeah that's Ooh, it's it's creepy. It's, it's insidious. <laughs> but that's a that's a great pick, Joe. Justin, what's your pick then? Well, I'm gonna have another DS9 pick. And not only is it my pick for the best uh villain outside of TNG, but I think in all of Star Trek, this is the best I villain. I think I know what you're gonna yeah, you say. Probably do. It's Gold Ducat. Yeah. Um yes. because like, I think he's such a great villain because you get to see him across a number of episodes in all seven of the seasons. And he's someone, you know his history. Like, before, he was this, um, you know, terrible prefect who was working Bajorans to death and all that kind of stuff and trying to suppress the resistance. That's like his backstory already. 
And then he comes in and he's kind of always kind of hovering around. And then he, he, sometimes he's really helpful. Sometimes he helps Cisco and the crew. Sometimes he's doing something that's like threatening to destroy or take over DS9 or, you know, toward the end of the show, he gets really crazy. But, but I think he's the best villain because there's so much complexity in how he is season by season and that he's even someone who is actually helpful to them sometimes, especially in the first couple of seasons. So I think there's a, there's more complexity to him than any other villain in Star Trek. So that's my choice. I absolutely agree because when I started, you know, my watch slash rewatch, and the first few seasons, I'm like, why do people <laughs> hate him? He's being nice. He's helped yep. him here. He's helped him there. But yeah, yeah I get what well, you're and, saying. And now. what's really interesting is fans got that impression too. There were like, fan letters coming in to the show like that they were in love with Gold Dukat, right? And 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 I think like the writers were like, oh, okay, that we're he's supposed to be a really bad person. We made him like too charming. So they kind of took it in another direction for him to be somewhat more evil. But but yeah, you get that impression like, oh, maybe he's had this past, but he's reforming and all of that until they yeah. took it in a different direction. So he's very interesting and unusual for a Star Trek villain in that way. Yeah. That's a really well, good pick. Him and Kai Wynn. Yeah. You know what? That kind of double act from season seven. I have some complex feelings about Kaiwen, actually, because I think that she she does have all of these um these things where I mean she's a little bit like Wayun, like there's malice beneath her words, but she was also somebody who suffered a lot during the resistance and you like you get these glimpses into her being possibly a good person and that She's doing all of these things because she wants to connect with the the prophets. And anyway, I think that she's a little bit more complicated. I actually love seeing Wynn because I think she's so kind of like deliciously like bad in some of those episodes. But Mm. that's a good pick too. Well, she is, yeah. Yeah. Well, we've talked a lot. Well, I'm glad you didn't ask about villains in our real life because I had a couple of ex-boyfriends ready to blast. Oh, wow. (laughs) That'll have to be the bonus question for (laughs) next time, maybe. Well... Uh, if you'd like to send us an email, you can use the form on our website at trek.fm slash contact. Choose to send to a show and select Earl Grey. That will come right to us, and we might read your email on the show. You can also find the network on Twitter at trek.fm and on Facebook at facebook.com slash trek.fm. So, Amy, where can people contact you when you're not thinking about how important Shinzon is as a villain? Oh, he is so <laughs> important. Well, you can contact me or listen to me here on the network where I am on The Edge, which is about Star Trek Discovery with my good friend, Patrick Devlin. I am on Twitter at Miss Amy Nelson, and I am right there in the Babel Conference. So, Joe, where can people contact you when you're not being controlled by a conspiracy parasite? Mm. Well, I am at the moment. Um, so people can get me at the other side of the Milky Way <laughs> galaxy where I'm readying my invasion fleet um, to come to Earth and um, kind of infect you all. Um, you can get me on the Babel Conference. You can get me on Twitter at joeyjoe77uk. Or you can email me where I will guarantee you a personal response. joepodcasts at gmail.com. Time traveling, not your when you contact. People can wear just an and. <laughs> You're doing that backwards. Wow, I am impressed. He time traveled. Yeah. He was just saying things backward while still going the same direction of time that he usually... But anyway. <laughs> Calling it time travel. It's evil. <laughs> 
So uh, when I'm not thinking about that and trying to decipher all of Joe's words that he sends to me backwards all the time, uh, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at TrekFan4747, where I tweet about nothing but Star Trek. You can find me hanging around the Babel Conference on Facebook. Oh, yes, and you can also find me elsewhere on the network co-hosting The Line. That's our Star Trek Picard podcast with my friends Chrissy Zalagi and Brandon Shane Matala. We're having a lot of fun talking about Picard and preparing for that series that is really, yes, coming next year. Um, and when that is out, we will talk about each episode as it airs. If you'd like to help us keep all our shows coming to you each week, you can become a patron of the network on Patreon. Visit patreon.com slash trekfm. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash trekfm to get all the details. Perks include early access to episodes, exclusive content, producer credits, and more. Available through our special patrons website, The Patron Zone. It requires a great deal of money to produce, host, and distribute these shows each month. We really appreciate any support you can give us and hope you'll join the team. Again, you'll find all the details at patreon.com slash trekfm. We'd like to take this opportunity to recognise our current associate producers, Norman Lau, Justin Ozer, Michael Huter, Thomas Appel, Chris Tribuzio, Jim McMahon and me, Joe Keegan. Thank you for supporting Trek FM and especially Earl Grey. So join us next time for another cup of Earl Grey. Jellicoe is not a villain. I've brought down bigger men than you, Picard. Great joy and gratitude. <laughs>